everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We have a spectacular show that's going to make you live better and feel better and be better. Uh, Joining us first is John Borden. He's the CEO of the Washington Tennis and Education Foundation. The mission is giving kids and youth a safe environment where they can excel through a pathway of continued academic success, life skills, and tennis instruction, of course. Uh, WTEF's 2022 annual Share the Love Gala is back on after a two-year COVID-driven hiatus. Yay. Life is back. And John, he's smiling. That's good. We're going to hear all about that. Uh, Speaking of star-studded, we've got Mitch Berliner and and Deb Moser from Central Farm Markets in in the studio with us. Uh, They're going to we're going to talk a lot about what it takes to do what they do. And also, they've got a great new market opening on Half Street uh, near the stadium, near the Nats. The Nats Mm -hmm. could use some vegetables. Okay, sorry. Uh, If you're ready to live, feel and be better and you're an endomorph like I am, you're going to want to hear about and read uh, Christine Hironik's new book called Unlock Your Macrotype. Uh, she's discovered that the key to fat loss is eating the right ratio of macronutrients, proteins, carbohydrates, and fat. I know, but what are macronutrients? They're big nutrients. Okay, we're going to find I, out, right? right? We're going to hear okay. all about that. And speaking of living better, you're also going to want to hear from James Yarborough, who's the owner and co-founder of Raw-ish. He's a former- No, no, no. It's raw-ish. Come on. Rush. Raw-ish. Raw-ish, because it's kind of raw. It's a plant-based <laughs> concept located- uh, in Western Food Market, and um, he serves uh, flavorful vegan options. We're going to hear about vegan. that. I what did I say? I don't know. What that was my accent vegan? It was weird. Las, our daughter's in Vegas right now. Las okay. Vegan. Okay. Anyway, so we're going to get to it. But John, let's uh, tee you up first. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and about the foundation before we get into the event? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I wish I could say that I'm a native Washingtonian, but originally from Philadelphia. It's okay. Uh, Philly yeah. in the house. We're with you. It's hey, a hey. rival city. Okay. Uh, no, it's not. Be careful what you ask for. No, <laughs> um, but no, from uh, moved here about 12 years ago, uh, came here for law school, which was great. And then rediscovered my true passion in tennis. Um, grew up playing. I'm from, um, played in college. And uh, I have, I came to the Washington Tennis Education Foundation in 2019 as mm-hmm. the chief operating officer and then uh, shortly thereafter was promoted to the CEO. But let's talk um, about what this organization is and what the mission mm-hmm. is of this organization. Yeah, so uh, we've been around since 1955 and our mission kind of from inception is really to provide opportunities, both athletic and academic for students, for, for children in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, and that mission stays true to today. I mean, certainly it's evolved over time. We, I just want to say for the record, we are in studio. We are not at our house where our dogs would where be barking too. Be so don't worry. Speaking to you, right. <laughs> uh, so um, anyway, so the organization has been around since the 50s. Go ahead. Yeah, and, you know, our core mission is to provide athletic and academic opportunities for our students. Mm-hmm. Um, our kind of hub facility is in Ward 7. 
uh, right on East Capitol. And we have a 50,000 square foot facility there that has six indoor, nine outdoor tennis courts um, and about a half a dozen classrooms, including a computer lab. Mm -hmm. And um, four o'clock every day is kind of the peak saturation point of our day. Our kids come in and they're either on the court or they're in the classroom getting academic support. Mm -hmm. um, the highlight of the day might actually be from 10 to 12 where our preschoolers come in and they're introduced to tennis and to um, just overall motor skill development. So, I mean, it's, we're pretty rocking and rolling every day and, you know, our kids come in at four and, and they graduate when they're 18. And along that, along that journey, we are able to give them opportunities to develop as athletes and as people and as students. Well, how, what is, what, they need to succeed. what is the outreach of, of getting the kids to this program? How do people just know about you? Like, how does it, how does you, how do you guys uh, sort of get out there and bring the students in? Um, I mean, some of it is just kind of word of mouth. I and mean, we've been a lot around for so long that people mm -hmm. kind of know. Um, but for us, and certainly just as things have changed, and I think that there are a lot more players, um, we are more proactive in going and reaching out to the community. Mm -hmm. You know, so whether that's directly with our tennis programs or with, other things like we just did uh, a couple of weeks ago with the Washington um, Washington Teachers uh, Federation and the American Federation of Teachers, we had this massive book fair. Mm. You know, so if you're not coming for tennis, you're coming for education or just a community experience. Um, so, we find that proactive approach really draws people into what we do. Talk a little bit about, aside from tennis, about the kinds of instruction that these kids get, whether it's, you know, working out, whether it's nutrition, all of that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Nutrition is actually a big part of what we do. I mean, as you know, watch, I mean, well, you may not know, but Ward 7 is kind of a food, it's a desert. food desert. We know. We know. <laughs> spectacular food desert. I mm -hmm. think uh, there's the one supermarket is around the corner from us. Um, so, you know, part of what we do is every kid gets the opportunity to have a healthy snack when they come in and like, look, it's hard to perform, you know, when you're hungry and, or you don't have the right food in your body. So that's definitely a part of, um, what our kids experience when they come in. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you go right from there to, um, you know, if it's academic support, whether it's specified tutoring, you know, like with math. Mm -hmm. um, we also have extracurricular activities. So like one of our coolest programs is our robotics program. Um, and obviously core is, is our tennis program, but you know, like our motto is to build life champions and any way that we're, we're able to build uh, those, those component parts of, of success in life, you know, whether it's, you know, thinking about how you treat your body and what you put in it to how you train it, to how you train and discipline your mind. You know, that's that's what you experience when you come to WTEF. Well, it's real life skills that you're giving right. them, you know, through the love of tennis. But Well, also, skills. what about equipment? Because a lot of these kids are going to come, they're not going to have the right shoes, they're not even going to have rackets. Mm -hmm. So we're, do you have partnerships that provide that? Yeah, we do. Um, and I again, from the get-go, like there's no impediment. There are no impediments to participating in what we do. So if you don't have a racket, if you don't have sneakers, if you don't have the right athletic gear, if you don't have a computer, we find we get you the tools that you need to be a part of our program. Great. So, you know, you don't need to come with a full bag. And we do have a few strategic partners that provide apparel and rackets. So shout out to Technofiber, which is a French company. Mm -hmm. um, but absolutely. Well, so and, uh, you want to talk about the event? Plus, you see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, let's get to the event. Um, you must have a lot of partners that you work with uh, to keep this uh, sort of mission up and running. 
And then you have the gala. Is that where, I mean, is the gala more about awareness or is the gala your big fundraiser? I mean, it, you know, Bit of I both. don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I mean, it's, it's absolutely about raising awareness and celebrating the work that we do, but it also is about raising money mm-hmm. uh, to support uh, our cause and to building life champions. So we've been offered two years. You said we're back and we get to uh, invite a lot of our friends back, people that have been missing the gala, missing, missing the camaraderie of being together. But it is absolutely the way that we su- help support our mission and also raise awareness about what we do. Well, so, you've got, well, I just want to say you've got Stevie Francis. I mean, I, I would come, <laughs> I would come just for him. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the gala and what people can expect. Now the gala season is back. Yay. Yay. Gala season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, it is, we're expecting between about four and 500 people. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an incredible uh, cocktail reception. We've got our awards dinner. Um, and I have to, I know maybe we'll talk about this, but the the culinary crew at the Ritz is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we've got um, Silent Ritz, Off. Wait, wait, wait. A, Ritz, which, which Ritz Carlton? Right? Is it a D.C.? That's right. It's the, like the Ritz Carlton, D.C., the West okay. End. Uh, the West End one. So, okay, good. We should add, as long as we're doing this, it's on May 20th, so you yes. have time to get tickets. May, May 21st. May 21st. Oh, don't listen to Saturday, David. He doesn't know what he's talking uh, about. Uh, this is a, 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 right here in the information. Okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. May 21st. Sorry. Okay. Um, so it's at the Ritz-Carlton. So who are the award honorees this year? Yeah, so we've got uh, NBA All-Star and Legend Steve Francis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Congresswoman Joyce Beatty. Mm. Uh, we've got... Um, a very special person at WTF. She's uh, one of our board members, but she's also the person 25 years ago that got this gala going and really helped to take um, fundraising for WTF to a new level. Her name Mm -hmm. is Dee Dee Eisenberg. Okay. Can I just say for the record, just for everybody who's listening, it is WTEF, not WTF, (laughs) because (laughs) it kind of blends together, but it's WTEF. Sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm only a potty mouth after seven o'clock. So yeah, <laughs> well, I just have to. Yeah. She's got a bad mind. Uh, I'm just saying, a couple you, of bolts kind of all blends together. <laughs> so, what is it? Why are you honoring the these people this year? So Steve uh, Steve Francis, he's from the DMV, but also he just has a harrowing story of um, overcoming obstacles to be one of the best at what he does. Mm-hmm. But his story is also so local. And our hope with him is that our students and our community identify um, themselves with him. Um, the congresswoman, although she's going to uh, sadly be there, she's got some official obligations. She's going to be there um, by video, but um, she's actually ho- hosted an event at WTEF for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just kind of feels like part of the family. Well, And then Dee Dee Eisenberg, um, like I said, she founded this iteration of the gala about 25 years ago. But what's cool about that, the award that she's receiving is the Dwight Mosley Award. And Dwight was my predecessor in the 90s, and he sadly passed away. But while he was sick, Dee Dee, um, she just, she just one, she had a connection with him. But two, she just took over and kind of refused to believe that he wasn't going to be okay, that he was, that he was not going to be okay. And, you know, she just kind of made this her personal mission to make sure that WTF would meet with success for the foreseeable future. And she just is a salt of the earth person. And, you know, she's humble, but strong. And again, just thinking about how people, how we want to identify ourselves and, you know, what we see as valuable. She, as well as the rest of the honorees embody that. And, 
We also have this really cool intro video by Francis Tiafo, who just reached a new career high. He's 27 in the world. He's also local. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of. Well, his is an interesting deep. story, too, because he got pushed. He got pushed hard and fast because he was a phenom when he was about 12. And mm-hmm. um, that's sort of, I mean, uh, uh, he's kind of a, a good example for for your kids, even the, the most talented that, I mean, if I remember his story correctly, he was a phenom and then he got pushed into the, you know, the, the pros real fast and, and he kind of dipped. And now, I mean, he's, he's playing great tennis again, but um, I think it was too fast too soon. Wasn't it? I don't, you know, and I was, I was there um, at that time as well. And, you know, the coaching team around him understood that in order for him to meet with long-term success, he was going to have to face some grown-up challenges. You know, mm-hmm. he was the best junior in the world, had right. done some things no one else had done. But, you know, like, if you really want to meet with success, you need to go play with some pros and get beat up and learn some lessons. And, like, he keeps meeting with the challenge time after time after time. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, to me, that's the best lesson that we can share with our kids. Right. Without a doubt. Okay. Tell us one more time where we can find information on the gala and where we can find information on all that you do on WTEF for people who maybe can't be at the gala but want to support you regardless. Yeah, our website is WTEF.org and the gala website is sharethelovegala.org. And that's where you can find information on both us, who we are and what we do and on the gala Excellent. John Borden, thank you so much for joining us today. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. When we get back, we got fresh veggies in studio. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Um, And this is a little bit like having two members of Led Zeppelin in here. We have two (laughs) two farm markets, two food legends in the in the the i'm gonna start this better you're doing this all wrong (laughs) no i'm not i'm doing it so every week no stop stop just stop please it's my show no it's not every week we get a call in from deb moser and mitch berliner of central farm markets because they are sponsors of the show and every week they call in to tell us what's at market so we find out about all the fresh foods and what the farmers are doing and any new vendors because they do have some of the best Farmer Markets here in the area, and they are launching a new one. They are never able to come in studio because they are so busy running their current markets, but they are joining us here today. All right. That was, that was a much was better do. introduction. Better. I'll give you that. Okay. okay. So, hi. Hi. It's so nice having, having you in this studio. This is like being with Lucy and Ricky. I didn't know, I didn't know you had legs. Okay. You know, we always, well, so, there it is. And what, and what legs he's got. Okay. So I know the two of you can riff for hours. I think right. we could do that outside the studio <laughs> because we only have an hour. Are we so, having right. dinner? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Mitch, you and Deb have been in the food biz for a really long time. Um, how did you wind up? getting into the farmer's market. Well, that's actually the first business that I was in when I started in the early 1970s. -hmm. I had four farm stands throughout Montgomery County Hmm. when no one else was doing that. So it's always been a big passion. It wasn't Lincoln in the White House when you... um, So were you just friends with farmers? I mean, what what was your passion there and how were you executing it? Well, I grew up on Long Island when it was in a transitional state from farms. Uh, mm-hmm. Suburbs started encroaching on them. So there were farms actually around where I grew up, even though it was, quote, unquote, the suburbs. And my parents used to take my brother and I to farms. 
for poultry, for produce. Corn. So we, exactly. Tomatoes, and we, used same to, thing. we just grew up with that. Mm-hmm. And so unlike a lot of other kids from the city or suburbs, we knew that it, uh, chickens and produce didn't just come in cellophane in the supermarkets. Mm-hmm. So then when you launch these markets... <clears throat> How long did you keep them running? I mean, how does that evolve to where you guys are today? Well, in a nutshell, um, I had those markets, uh, outdoor markets, four locations, like I said, in Montgomery County Mm -hmm. for eight years. And at the same time, I started in a wholesale specialty ice cream and organic frozen food business. And uh, eventually that business became so busy that I unfortunately had to close down the farm stand market businesses. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but I always had a very special place in my heart for that. And when uh, 15, 16 years ago, when I had the opportunity to uh, sell my half of the distribution business, I said, we're going to start a farm market in downtown Bethesda near our house. And a lot of people, you should know this is very important, have accused us of uh, starting this farmer's market so we'd have great great food and produce, et cetera, near our home. Then you moved to Potomac and And I told them, I told them, you have a problem with that? (laughs) And they always said, no, no, thank you. Okay. (laughs) Let's bring Deb into it. So So in 2008, we started Bethesda Central Farm Market. Mm -hmm. In 2011, Federal Realty came to us and said, we would like to expand your farm market and we'd like you to come to the new Pike and Rose, which was uh, basically a parking lot they at were the time develop. right yeah sure and we did that we moved that market around the area just in the local area uh for four or five years till pike and rose was built and mm-hmm. we've been a part of pike and rose since 2011 but i i feel like we're missing a, a little piece here so when you're doing these markets how are you curating like, so Federal Realty comes to you and says, we'd like to do a farmer's market. It's a great amenity for the area. I see where they're coming from. But right. then you have to look at the area and say, okay, who are the, what's the need here? Who are the vendors? How and, do we take care of that? And that's a, a great point because each community is different. Right. And so you have to look at the community. You have to look at the needs of the community, uh, see where people are coming from. People shop where they live. Mm-hmm. So if people are shopping if they're living there, they're going to shop there. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of requests to open farmers markets in front of office buildings, in front of hospitals. You're like, we're not a food truck. That's not what well, we're doing. Yeah, and and people really need it's it's an experience. So they need they don't want to rush through work and just come by and pick mm-hmm. up some stuff. So um, so we we continued to open them, and if the location felt good to us and we thought it would work, we opened one more in Virginia, and then hence we came to Half Street. So, but. I want to go back just to my question mm-hmm. for a second. How do you find the vendors for each market? Because you're, I mean, the Bethesda Central Farm Market is. You've got like 70 vendors. You right? have so oh, many right. vendors. Right. But and we Pike started. And Rose is pretty massive too. Yeah. Yeah. Can we, can we, before we get into how many, let's talk about just the, the, the classifications of vendors that you've got. Because right. That's what, they're not just all tomato stands. No. Well, the, the, no. One, the number one, we've always felt that we wanted a really good mix. And the mix, we thought, was the big part of the success. Mm -hmm. And we wanted best in category also. And uh, candidly, we wanted to have people be able to shop seasonally and get nearly all their food needs by making the trip weekly to one of our farmer's markets. 
And when you come to the farm market and you see, well, they have tomatoes and they have tomatoes and they have tomatoes, sometimes it looks like they're the same thing, but right. they're really not. Right. They, uh, the farms come from different areas. We go all the way down from the northern neck in Virginia all the way up to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. That will stretch out the season. That will broaden that season. So when strawberries, like you see here today, right. that just came in from the northern neck, when they're done, you'll have them from Pennsylvania. So we can have six weeks, seven weeks of strawberries because the season is expired. It's so smart. Yeah, but what you've done, I mean, that I always thought was so smart is you recognize that your your 21st century consumer has broader tastes. So you sell booze, you sell we craft do. beers, we do. you sell, I mean, well, meat, this is meat an crafters. Edu- I know, this but is I'm, an educated market. Well, not right? only that, but I mean, it's forget that it's an educated market. We go to lots of stores where we go, they've got nothing here for me. You were smart enough to have basically something for everyone uh, of a certain taste. Now that's that's a very good point. So of we have it is. like um, in Bethesda, <laughs> we have a gluten-free bakery. It's a, made in a gluten-free facility. We have which a, is so important right. because you can do gluten-free, right? And if it's not in a gluten-free facility, exactly. right. people who are severe gluten-free cannot do that. I just that's learned exactly. That. Right. And we have a vegan. Vendor mm-hmm. at uh, a number of our markets. As a matter of fact, I think at virtually all of them. So we really want to have something for everybody, but we also want it to be a place of community. So um, a lot of times, I I know you'll find this hard to believe. I joke around with our uh, patrons. I what? go, Are you still here? Right. Well, people will hang around for like ninety no, it, minutes. You made it an experience. It's That's more right. than just a shopping. I'm going to get my stuff. But people meet up. They hang out. They bring their kids. They bring their dogs. Right. right. We are which, dog friendly. We are dog friendly. You're dog friendly, which is a rarity in the farmer market Correct. space. We have live music. Mm-hmm. We also invite in each community, which differs. We invite nonprofits to come in, and, well, and they will do community that, service pro- projects and nonprofits, all sorts of things. Yeah, we welcome them in, um, and they become an integral part of the farm market, and mm-hmm. we become like a village green. So. Well, I was going to say the word, the key word there is community. That's what That's you right. you end up doing because people, you know, you go in there and you. It's clear that people know their vendors and they see them again week after right. week, and it's. Well, and so let's talk about, well, before we get to the new market, which launches next week, I do want to talk about, I mean, when you were in the pandemic, you guys really twisted and swiveled to help the farmers who, you know, lost a tremendous amount. Mm -hmm. And you guys really changed how you did things. You created an amazing website. People were able to order. And you've sort of kept a lot of those things in place. Yeah, we still have in Bethesda, we still have a pickup line, so you can order from the vendors and drive through and pick up your groceries if you don't want to get out of the car. Mm -hmm. Um, Smart. We've kept that. Um, We have our concierge team. We have the best concierge team in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, They will go and pick up things for you, or they will watch your groceries while you go and get your car, and they'll help you load your car, and they do it because they love what they're doing. But that also makes it so easy because I think a lot of people, especially when you have 70 vendors and you want to get all these things, you're like, how am I going to carry this and do I have to go back to my car? Like, it's so nice to have that. It's such a luxury, actually. I tell you, this is a a bit of a digression, but way, way back when, when I was in college in the the late 60s, we started a food co-op. And there was that feeling of community and, and, and people, I mean, nobody cared that it was extra work and all that because it was, it was you know, all, had bo- all boats were rising. Mm. Right. And, and that's really what you've created here. Right. Yeah. And we're really very proud of our relationships. 
in every where we've gone with the the local food banks. So in Montgomery County, it's the Mana Food right. Center. Right. It's food for others in Northern Virginia, and now we've hooked up with DC Central Kitchen. So we're going to do a lot of work with them, everything from gleaning to taking some of their students and inserting them in the market. And so, oh, isn't that amazing? All right, well, let's talk about DC, DC, and Half Street. First, tell everybody where Half Street is. Half Street is between M Street and N Street, right in front of Nat Stadium at the entrance. Wow, that is an incredible space to be in and the market is going to be on what day saturdays from 9 to 1 30 okay oh game no game Sorry, doesn't matter it's gonna Wait, be a hold on, home hold on. run but <laughs> we so hope it will be if there are games so how does this work this is going to be a logistics exercise for us okay um but we they do need the street cleared two and a half hours before game time so the street will be closed because it's closed for the farmer's market. So that makes their life a little bit easier. It's already closed. And we will get all of our vendors and all of our trucks out of there as quickly as possible. Okay. But game day, you're still there. So no matter unless, what, you're still there. Yeah, right, unless is, something happens. Is there a tie-in with the Nats? Is there something else yeah, that you're so, doing with them? So opening day, we are. The Nats will have a ticket booth, um, a ticket table, I guess you could call it, at our market. Your opening mm-hmm. day. No, but uh, all days they want to come okay, out and, and do that. Opening day, we're going to have Screech and we're going to have Abe Lincoln with us. Okay. Um, we have a lot of festivities going on, a lot of giveaways. There's contests. There's free food. We have two chef demos. Jonathan Bardstick was going to be with us. Cool. And uh, Silver Diner, who's opening down there. Right. So they will be with us doing their, their great food and um, just lots of fun. Oh, we're going to have a ribbon cutting, and the mayor might be there. And, you know. So uh, I, not, I'm, I'm just available. sort of curious. You who are. reached out to you? To make Half Street happen. So it's not like you guys were like knocking on the door being like, hey, we want to do another no, farmer's we, market. we're not. We, right. Believe no, me, we were not. Were. <laughs> so it, we got the knock on the door and it was a, it's a group effort between Jire Lynch, uh, the bid, the Capital Riverfront bid, mm-hmm. and um, JBG Smith. And mm-hmm. um, is that Michael Capital Riverfront bid? bid is that Michael Stevens? Michael Stevens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Good man. And oh, I, I'll tell you, the community Great is man. just and the and the retailers. Everybody got into this. It's uh, they want a community, wanted to start really events on Half Street, and this was the way to start it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have two more minutes. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. You have a new market. We'll be back in just a sec. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We have Mitch Berliner and Deb Moser from Central Farm Markets in talking about the new market right at Nat Stadium on Half Street. How do you, you already have vendors at these other markets, right? How do you find, I mean, are, are they also coming downtown or you, do you have to find new vendors? I mean, at some point, Mr. Farmer or Ms. Farmer can't, you know, they just can't send trucks all over the place. How does that it work? Is, that is true. So we do branch out. We have uh, invited new vendors to this market. So we mm-hmm. have some different vendors than we have at our other markets. Because um, there are some urban farms in D.C. Like that is a real growing trend. There and are. Especially in Ward 7 and Ward 8. They're right. really working hard right. to make we, those We've invited. Exist. We have some people from Ward 8 going mm-hmm. to participate in our market. Mm-hmm. Great. That's yeah, amazing. So we also have something unique. We have during, and you mentioned COVID, during COVID, a couple of uh, restaurateurs flipped into doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. And we will have Jen Cravato from 1310. Oh, yeah, she's great. She's coming out. She does a line of frozen prepared foods. Mm-hmm. She'll be with the market. Uh, Chef John Wood with Open Hand Pasta. Great. He's going to be doing his pasta. So we have not only your produce, your milk, your meats, 
you know, which we love. Flowers, gorgeous flowers. flowers and um, lots of stuff. But great, we have great some, seafood. some additions mm-hmm. like that. Yes, yeah, We met Janet, Steve. Uh, yeah, we met them at um, uh, Early Mountain Vineyard. Early Mountain yeah. Vineyard. Yeah, she was the wow. executive chef. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago. Okay, so tell everybody, please, where they can find Half Street, uh, the opening day, all that info, and where we can find you online and on Instagram, please. Okay, so you can find Half Street. You can actually, we have an Instagram just for Half Street. Yay. So. It's Instagram Half Street. Mm-hmm. Um, Central, yes, centralfarmmarkets.com. You can mm-hmm. find all the information. All our markets are there, especially the Half Street Market. Uh-huh. And uh, we're going to start at 9 a.m. with the rib- ribbon cutting. Some some dignitaries will be there. We're looking forward to meeting everybody in person. And we're, we're going to so have excited. a lot of fun. I mean, the all, so only thing we can say is if you haven't been to a Central Farm Market, this is not your grandma's farm market. This is... This is true. My grandma you, didn't go to a farm's market. Yeah, no, she ordered in, of course. <laughs> she, she, she did not. Bring me the uh, bacon. Uh, no, she didn't. She was kosher. She didn't no. eat bacon. So uh, anyway, but uh, we're so excited for you guys. It's such an incredible uh, new venture. And uh, uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll have a lot of people from uh, the new market on industry night where we'll do a deep dive right. on what they're doing, what's happening. And I can't wait for that. So great. thanks for well, coming. Thanks in. for All right. having and enjoy us. Enjoy the goodies. Great. I know. We're so excited. It's great to see you. And All we'll right. see you next week. Too. Okay. Take care. All right. All right. So. Christine. You took my thing. Oh, sorry. Uh, Christine Hronick knows that one size fit all, fits all diets just don't work, and I am living proof that they don't. Um, and she's written a great book called Unlock Your Macro Type, which I am speedily uh, running through here. Mm-hmm. And I'm, rather than do the whole thing, I'm just going to let her talk. Christine, how did you, you – were, you're a scientist, basically. Uh, but yeah, but you weren't a health scientist. You weren't a health scientist, but you came to this really to kind of address your own issues to get healthy, look great, feel great. Um, and it wasn't working for you with sort of the standard Atkins diets that are on the shelf. Absolutely. So I'm actually a chemical engineer and food scientist. That's like my, my whole background. And I started getting into the health and wellness space by uh, co-owning a dietary supplement manufacturing company um, about 10 years ago. And I did a lot of product development, formulated a lot of products in sports nutrition, and, you know, m- did really well in that business. But the thing is, I'm creating all these products, but deep down, I know that I'm not where I want to be physique-wise. So I started, you know, really drinking the Kool-Aid, really trying to figure out what's going to work. I used to be one of those people who believed that if you did enough cardio, you would get to your goal body. Right. And, you know, being a teenager in the 90s, you know, all the, the diet trends through the 2000s, everybody just wanted to be smaller, 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 smaller. But no matter what I did, I just couldn't break through. And well, and if I, I could just jump in, I think there was yeah. also a lot of media like, oh, yeah. so I'm older than you, but in the 80s, it was low fat, low fat, low fat, low fat, and 90s, right? Everything was low fat. And then and now it's like, low carb. In the aughts, it was all low carb. Now it's everything it's keto, it's mm-hmm. paleo, it's intermittent. I mean, there's all these things, but I mean, nobody, I mean, to my, not to rat out Here my husband, go. but you know, Mr. Hips, Mr. Love Handles. If you don't do a deep dive and understand, the how these diets work you really aren't going to know whether or not they're going to work for you if you don't understand your own body exactly and i was approaching it very haphazardly i was approaching it very emotionally you know mm-hmm. when when you when you decide you want to lose weight you want the results now and the thing is 
I'm a scientist. Like I know how to think logically and objectively, but when it came to my body, I just got so frustrated. But mm -hmm. it wasn't until I started applying science and I started breaking it down. I'm like, okay, how much am I eating? And the thing is, once I really was honest with myself, how much am I actually eating in a day? Tabulated it. How many calories? How much protein am I consuming? How much carbs? How much fat? It's eye-opening. It's offensive. It is is one of those things that like you need to take an eyes wide open approach at what the situation actually is if you want to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And my, my philosophy is if it cannot be measured, it cannot be improved. So mm. with that being said, macros is short for macronutrients. All food has caloric content and that caloric content comes from either proteins, carbs, or fats. All food can only be made up of those three things. Now, figuring out what ratio and balance of those things, because calories are not created equal mm -hmm. eating you know, a diet that's full of like chips and candy and soda and all those things even at the same calorie level as you know it's like some salmon and vegetables and you know things like that it's going to impact your body differently so the question is what is the best way to fuel your unique body some people do best being fat fueled some people do best being protein fueled and others do best being more fueled off of carbohydrates. And this book, I've been actually writing this for over seven years. I've been on YouTube for a decade now, more than a decade. And it wasn't until I started making YouTube videos that I realized how confused people are, how many questions they have. And I just started answering the questions in the form of YouTube videos. And that's really where my platform like grew. And that's where people started finding me. And people were asking like, Christine, what's a good resource? What's a good book where I could really learn how I should be eating for myself? And honestly, I didn't feel like there was anything available at that time. Mm -hmm. So I created it. Well, I mean, what I love about the book and how you break it down is that it's really not about diets, right? It's about how to live your best life and how to eat best for yourself. Um, and if you have an understanding of your body and an understanding of what works for you, because like when we talk carbs, like my whole body like tenses up, right? Like, I mean, I love carbs and I want to eat them, but I feel like they are, you know, a no-no, even though I, that's ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous. But knowing your body type and knowing how your body does it make your you know, does it give you a sugar high? Like, what does it do to your body? I, your quizzes are amazing. So can we talk about how you put those together to help sure. people figure out what kind of body yeah. type they are? So there's a gap, right? There's a gap with where people, how you actually eat right now and what your body needs to feel nourished and satiated and strong and mm -hmm. have good mental energy and physical energy. So with that being said, the first quiz I take people through is a carb tolerance quiz. There's a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, we have type 2 diabetics. We have people with hormone imbalances. We have people who they, their body physically cannot metabolize glucose effectively to fuel the whole system. Mm -hmm. The other end of the system, we have people who can eat carbs. Just you, you all know that type of person. We all know that person where we're like, how can this person eat and eat and eat and not gain a pound? Right. And where you fall in that spectrum dictates the best way you should fuel your body. So I ask, you know, in-depth questions about your genetics, about, you know, your health history, about, you know, your fasting blood glucose, about your your waist circumference, about your waist to hip ratio, because these factors are scientifically proven to dictate, you know, 
information about your glucose metabolism that are very easy for me to like learn about you. And the thing is, I've worked with over 40,000 people. So when I'm asking these questions, I'm really asking the things I really need to know to put you on your right path. Right. Well, I want to, the interesting thing about the book is it forces you to work. I mean, you know, I'm an instant gratificationist. In fact, instant gratification doesn't happen quickly enough for me. So, you know, I eat an Atkins bar and I want to be skinny kind of thing. But the book requires, you got to read the book first before you even take on the quizzes. And you probably should read it twice to make sure you, you know, because the quizzes really dig down deep uh, to, and, and, you know, for, for people who are not scientists, and who are not nutritionists, you've got to really understand yourself and analyze yourself but before think, you do this. But I think David brought up a good point. Like when he talks about an Atkins bar, again, my whole body goes stiff because I'm like, that's processed food. Like processed food is not part of any real diet, right? Whole food, eating healthy. Like we just, you know, we're going to be talking vegan in a sec, like eating ish. right, right <laughs> vegan-ish, uh, eating right really means, you know, foregoing processed foods. But I'd love to go back to the carbs a little bit and talk about like grains, like farro and aramanth and, and quinoa. Like where do you stand on all those and how do people fit if you're if you're not good with carbs or you are good with carbs? Like how do you advise people on that? And fat too. And what does fat mean? Because I hear fat and I think like avocado or olive oil. And but I think the fat on the side of bacon. a steak. Yeah. Right. So... How do you help people with that? There's a lot of misconceptions about carbohydrates. Um, it is the most misunderstood nutrient on the planet. Carbs mm -hmm. are not bad. They are not the devil. Your body does need them to function. The, the amount you need is going to vary drastically person to person. And the problem with processed foods is that the amount of the dose of sugar that you can get in such a small concentrated amount is it's substantially higher than anything you would find in nature. And the body isn't designed to handle just these huge surges of, of sugar coupled with a sedentary lifestyle. Now, if you're an athlete, you know, we were just talking about, you know, the tennis stuff. Like if you're going to actually take that energy and perform and go do some sports or do something, you can actually, you know, benefit from that. But the reality is, most people eat substantially more than what their body functionally needs. And people don't know how to listen to their body. And a lot, the, the purpose of this book is not to tell people, Hey, this is the method that worked for me. Everybody copy me and you'll get my results. No, the message here is it's an opportunity for people to do a deep self dive. It's a journey in self discovery for you to really think through how this applies to you. And the funny thing is so many of my clients, people who have read the book already, they read it for themselves, but then they also read it like for their husband or they're thinking about their mom. They're like, oh, or my sister, like, yes, that's her. Like they're, they're really thinking through that. And the reality is you have to almost take an eyes on your own plate approach because I find so many people, everybody wants to tell everybody else how they should right, eat. How they should eat. You're hundred percent right. Hmm. But the reality is you have to listen to your body, even in the same household. I see it all the time. Husbands, wives, like parents, children. Like well, and children. Like I think about yeah. my children, you know, I mean, yeah. as the food provider to my family, mm -hmm. I think about that a lot. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you only have so much control and you want to make sure that they have the right foods for Can them. Can I just jump in? Up. So real quick, 
Sugar sounds like it's the enemy, regardless. If you, if you, and and carbohydrates, your body processes well, them not and fruit turn, sugar, turns dependent. them into to sugar, yeah. right? isn't the enemy it's the amount that you consume mm-hmm. it is it is the quantity that you consume so the reality is only 20 percent of your total daily carbohydrate intake should come from sugar now when it comes to the carbohydrates not all car- carbs can be made of sugar they could be made of fiber they could be made of you know the the breakdown of carbohydrates isn't all sugar so sugar in itself is not bad it's just the concentration of right. it okay. all at once oh my God. it's Christine, hold up. we yeah. could talk to you for hours you got to read the book i know so tell everybody where they can find you on youtube where they can find the book where we can find you on instagram give us a dl Absolutely. So you guys can find me on Instagram at Gage Girl Training. You guys can shoot me a DM if you have any questions. Like I'm very responsive. The book, Unlock Your Macrotype, um, Christine Heronic. It's available everywhere books are sold. You can do a search on Amazon. They have wonderful shipping. They're fast. Target, Barnes and Noble. Again, everywhere books are sold. Uh-huh. But definitely check it out. It's available in hardcover, audiobook, as well as ebook. Um, and you guys can find me on YouTube, Gage Girl Training. I have close to a thousand videos on YouTube. It's been there a very long time, close to 30 million views. Instagram, Gage Girl Training. You guys can also learn about my supplement company, Gage Life. Um, you guys can check that out as well. well. Great. So All right, Christine. So I'm waiting for the Disney movie. Thank you so much, Christine. This is David <laughs> and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We're going vegan when we get back. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And since we're talking about Doing good things for your body. I know. This was a healthful show, well, unintentionally. We're going to get to it even more. James Yarborough is the owner and co-founder of Raw-ish. It's a plant-based concept located in the recently opened Western Market Food Hall. But they serve uh, delicious vegan options. And the whole idea is to support the human body's optimal performance. I'm reading from the materials. So, James, so. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. How did you get into eating a vegan lifestyle? So it really came down or started from my needing more energy. So okay. I, as I was talking to the beast about earlier, I was a former <laughs> consultant at Deloitte working. Crazy hours. Yeah, crazy hours, uh-huh. 80, 100 hour weeks and just uh-huh. needed more energy. I mean, I needed to get more out of my body to do, to build hours. Um, and I got to Googling, doing research. And a Isn't lot of terrible came, that they do that to you. It is. It is. It, it yeah. absolutely is. And I started just thinking about ways to have my body perform better. And I kept coming back to plant-based, 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 veganism, veganism, veganism. So once I transitioned to a largely plant-based diet. Were you already vegetarian? No, no. Okay, I was. No. I used to eat five guys so, every day. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so, yeah, because they were his client. How, how hard was it to do that? It really wasn't because I um, just really built out places to go that had similar flavor palettes that I already liked. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Indian places, a lot of Mediterranean places, things like that. That were already vegetarian. Exactly. Yes. Kind of could get me there and ease me into it. I didn't jump out there saying, oh, I'm going to eat a salad every day or something like that. I was like, you mm-hmm. know what? This curry chickpea, some cauliflower, some garlic naan. I can make that work. Right. And I <laughs> kind of started that way. Okay. Um, and then as I started to eat more of it, I was like, well, there aren't enough healthier places in this area. Let me see if I could make some money doing it that way. Well, because I'll be honest with you, when you think about the explosion of, uh, and I'm, there's no criticism here, but of like Beyond Meat, mm-hmm. and uh, the, if you look at the fast casual concepts that are around DC that are plant based, which are all really good, mm-hmm. a lot of it is like pride or, uh, you know, there's a lot of unhealthy qualities to how they're putting it together. Yep. And so how did you go about it? Raw is a way of eating. Are you, is raw-ish raw? 
<laughs> I love the question. Okay. Um, we are ninety percent raw. The only things that aren't raw on our menu, and there you can you don't have to have these things on the toast, which we get from local bakers here, and brown mm-hmm. rice if you want something a little bit heartier. Okay, everything else is a hundred percent raw, meaning we're not cooking it; we're just seasoning, blending, or dehydrating our items. So okay. that's really what stands out about us as people. Everyone isn't quite there on their healthy journey. People are still with the Beyond Burger things. Like you said, vegan soul food is really big in terms of yep. vegan mac and cheese, things like that in this area. But it's trending upwards in terms of people being more aware of, hey, I can eat whole plants, um, really get all the nutrition I can without sacrificing flavor. Well, and not only that, I mean, for climate change and everything. Exactly, I mean, yeah. all of this is the step in the right direction. So mm-hmm. how did you come up with your menu? I mean, you don't have a... Chef's background. Not it's at all. just your palate. So, it's, how did? What is your menu, and how did you come up with that? Sure thing. Um, my menu consists of juices, smoothie bowls, smoothies, Buddha bowls, which are kind of like your traditional fast casual bowl with some brown rice and veggies on top of it, and salads with some raw desserts. And I literally designed this menu with my own palate in mind. I had okay. people come over and taste things like, "Yo, you should sell this. You should sell that." Um, but really, if I don't want to eat it, I don't want to sell it. Good. Um, I need this is something you can eat healthy and you can crave whether you have your munchies if you're you know but, right, that type but, of deal. Before we, I mean, I guess while we talk about that, did your energy level increase? Did you lose weight? A I thousand mean, it sort percent. of factors into what uh, Christina. This Rock entire did. podcast is flowing all to We're a radio together. Show, dude. It's oh, a radio. I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. Okay. Radio no, show no, no. is good. how dare you, sir? I'll, hey, I you know. right, wait, press the button. Your seat will disappear. <laughs> you check your seat. No, but I mean, yeah. so it it. Did it? How much weight did you lose? How much yeah. more energy did you feel you had? Absolutely. I felt like I gained an extra two hours of productivity per day just switching my diet. And then weight, I was about 285. I got down to about 220, and now I'm about 210 now. Wow. So I mean, you look amazing. Thank you, thank you. I'm trying to keep it going. Um, and the easiest thing for me is like you can be busy, but if you can just control your diet and lose weight, you, know, I mean, you might not make it to the gym every day, two times a day, like you might say with your plan, but if you can really control what you put in your body mm-hmm. and then get better performance and kind of drop weight and get healthier that way, I mean, why not? So now, do you subscribe to a raw diet? Yes. Personally, you mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. So with raw diets, there's a lot of interesting uh, manipulation of products mm-hmm. to give texture and flavor. Like I think of like cashews and yes. almonds and things like that. Is that something that you really enjoy playing with once Absolutely. you got into it? Yeah, so people really have no idea the magic of a cashew. Um, whether it's our sauces, our proteins, you can do a lot with cashews. We're, right. we're turning them into cheese. pies. They make a cheese. It's the best cheese. I don't even crave non-cashew cheese anymore. Like, that's how good it is to me. Wow. It's that good for me. Um, for you and tastes that well. So it's great. Um, unlocking other flavors that you wouldn't consider because you don't have to. So superfood mushrooms, we put those in our smoothies, and you're just really getting enhancements that you – don't even so when you say superfood mushrooms, what do you mean? It's like reishi mushrooms, right. maca, all those super secret, quote unquote, secret herbs you see in the random health food stores on that shelf. Well, so I've noticed they're making these like mushroom coffees. Yep. So that's yep. Is that just, the same thing? Same deal. They're putting. They're really giving you a natural energy boost for something that's and it's been not around caffeine. for ages. No, not at all. How's it taste? You can't. It has no taste. So you could put it in your. I don't your, drink coffee, coffee, but you could put it in your tea, coffee. Your smoothie. It's not okay. going to change anything for you. Interesting. So now, when you talk about um, bowls, what does that mean? Like when you said smoothie bowls. Mm-hmm. So your traditional acai bowl, okay. and we have that, but we also like to play around the with kids it. Kids love so that. They love it. Uh, G- we're in, uh, on GW's campus at Western Market, and they so, can't get enough. Well, let's talk about acai. Is it BS or is it is what they you know everything that they attribute to it real? Oh, absolutely. It's a it's a true superfood um, in itself. Um, what we do with ours, though, instead of having your acai and putting you know junk. processed junk in it, mm-hmm. you know syrups and things like that, we use dates for our sweetener. We'll get some raw agave. 
put other fruit in it, put strawberries, bananas, blueberries in it to sweeten it up naturally. Yeah, Yeah. it's just all fruit. We're blending it up. And it's um, obviously our margins are impacted by that, but we're uh, we're here to give you the healthiest food, not to make the most money. So you're opening in Kensington, Maryland. So, So, um, but let's talk a little bit about Western Market, which Mm -hmm. is how you and I met. Yes. Were you doing this in a ghost kitchen first? Or did, like, how did did all the players get to be here? How did this happen? So um, our other concept, Gangster Vegan, opened up about six months prior to the pandemic starting in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And that really was just a hit that we were, we we leveraged our relationships with our leasing partners and landlords. And they were, like, telling me all the projects that were kind of in their pipeline. And I was kind of picking and choosing what I thought um, would make sense for me. Because I'm a D.C. native. I'm from here. So I'm like, foggy bottom. I could do a lot with that. Um, My next project in the pipeline uh, in Northeast D.C. in Brooklyn. I'm like, I know Kathleen. Like, I can do a lot with that. Those sort of spaces there. um, But you went with a different concept mm -hmm. instead of your initial concept. Why? As, uh, you know, the V said earlier, the students love them. I like, okay. you call me that. <laughs> so, but what's your original concept in Baltimore? Uh, you Gangster bring Vegan. Yeah, so will you bring that here? Like, what did you serve in Gangster Vegan? So Gangster Vegan is is uh, no smoothie bowls, no smoothies. We have a broader salad menu, a broader bowl menu. Uh-huh. We have raw dehydrated burgers in which the bread, a lot of places, they'll have a veggie burger and they're putting it on a bun. We're using onion bread. So we're dehydrating fresh onions and sunflower seeds every day. Yum. To make the bag, yeah, to make the bread for it. So oh, I cannot wait to check yeah, that out. Absolutely. So are you considering bringing that to the area? Yeah, absolutely. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing that at all. We have one in Riverdale Park, which is yeah. right outside of DC. Um, and so there's two Roshes in the park. Well, I mean, open, I get, so you're university driven. Yeah. A little <laughs> I see where you're going. Stable con- pre-pandemic, some stable traffic, and uh, that's what I've seen work for me for sure. So how do people follow you and stay up with what you're doing? Are you super active on Instagram? Like absolutely. What's, your, what's the best way to communicate yeah, absolutely. with you? Uh, follow us at rawishdc on Instagram and all social platforms and mm-hmm. Gangster Vegan DMV on Instagram and social platforms. I'm posting on there every day, whether it's stories or posts, engaging in uh, people that just have questions about eating healthier um, or business, whatever. Talk to me. I'm there all day. Okay. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was so terrific. You know what? This okay. should be a good read for you then. I know. I, all I right. was just sitting over there looking Do at Do that off air. Okay. So I want to thank you all for uh, joining us today on Foodie and the Beast. It was really a good show. Totally unplanned to be as healthful and healthy as it is. You got a new uh, farmer's market that you want to check out next week on Half Street. I haven't been to Western Market. It is a fabulous new food hall in the D.C. area. You should definitely check it out. I want to thank you all for joining us today on the show. Uh, Remember, masks are off. Uh, You still may be asked to wear one. You still may be asked to uh, show a vaccination card. Just take your kindness pill and like go with the flow here, people. We're almost out of this. Uh, We won't be here because it's Mother's Day next week. So all you mothers out there, have a lovely one and be good to your mom. Get it taken care of. Have a delicious week.